0: Bible, turn to Acts chapter number 20. I don't know if you realize it or not, but churches that preach the truth are under attack. And um, it's, it's up to us to continue to preach the truth, um, not deviate from it. Uh, by the way, appreciate you being here today of all the places you could have been. I haven't said it in a while. Good to see you in God's house. And as times are changing, God never changes. We're getting closer and closer to Jesus coming back. And we're looking forward to Jesus coming back. Not to take us out of this miserable world, but to take us to be where He is. And uh, this this world is not our home, as the song says. Um, But uh, if you found your place in Acts chapter number 20, I'll ask you to stand. We're going to notice a couple of verses here in Acts 20. Many times people will say that the church began in the book of Acts. And I, I beg to differ. The, the book of Acts is the church in transition. It's there, the Bible talks about, and they were added to the church. There had to be something in place for them to be baptized into. And so the church was already in existence. And so here the church is in transition. Beginning in verse number uh, 28, the Bible says this. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch, I got that underlined in my Bible, and remember by the space that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Watch, remember, and warn. That's our job. Watch, remember, and warn. Father, help us to be faithful stewards where you placed us. Guide and direct in the message today. And Lord, help us to do our part in being the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the devil and the world hate what's happening in the church. They're trying to do everything in their power, and the devil's trying to stop the church from existing, but he's not going to do it. Because you know why? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God's bigger than the devil. And uh, we, have to, we have to constantly reaffirm that God's on His throne. We have to constantly be reminded as we read His Word that God doesn't let His seed go begging bread. God doesn't let anything happen that's not beyond His will. Amen? Even the devil has to ask permission to bother Christians or anybody, really. And so, uh, how many times have we heard about churches that are... Uh, other than going through good times, they go through times of great crisis. A few years back, there was a church in North Carolina in which a fistfight broke out because someone sat in their seat. That actually happened. And so I heard about one church in the mountains that literally split uh, over the color of the songbooks. <laughs> now, the lost group, the, the people that lost the, the vote... They took out chainsaws, and it was just a one-room church. They cut the building in half and took their half of the building up the mountain. Ridiculous. Why? Remember, the pillar and ground of the truth is the church. Uh, The Word of God is preached and proclaimed and broadcast. It's here where we get our marching orders. I know the Holy Spirit indwells us, and as we read the Word of God, He uh, inspires us. But it seems like it's too easy, it's too generic unless we get plugged in. And so uh, I believe some of us think that we're inoculated from anything terrible from happening. I've been in at least three different churches and they were splits off of other bigger churches. One of them had 500 members that broke away from the main church. and they started another church. Their missions programs over a million dollars every year that they give to worldwide evangelism. The other one, is about 300 people that broke away from another church. Now, good, bad, or indifferent, I think church splits are bad. I think church splits are not good. We've gone through one years ago. Uh, well, we've gone through several, some people call them backdoor revivals. A group of people left. They didn't leave the front door, they left out the back door. And um, they're never good. It always hurts the body of Christ. It always hurts when a church splits, amen? Any of you can be uh, attest to the fact that you've been involved with churches that have been part of a, a split. But when you get yoked up with Jesus Christ and plugged in, you'll see that God's in control. You'll see what God, uh, what people mean for evil, God meant for good. And you just have to keep trusting the Lord through it. And so uh, it seems like we hear of these, these stories. How can anybody bring chainsaws to either a business meeting? They didn't like the color of the songbooks that was chosen and they cut the church in half that's a literal church split and so uh, that's foolish uh, well praise the Lord we hope nothing that terrible happens at Blackstone Valley Baptist Church uh, <laughs> keep the books the same color <laughs> well we've taken the books away from you so we won't have that problem because we know how childish you can be But any church that has human members is prone to make wrong choices, unfortunately. And so uh, it, it can blow up. It's a ticking time bomb. It can blow up in your face in a moment. If we're not careful, we're nothing more than a collection of old sinners saved by grace. And so we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what he does? He brings peace that passes understanding. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of a virus, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of no peace, He brings peace. Jesus said, my peace I give you. My peace I bring to you. And that's what we need to rest and trust and and know that He's got our back. He's got us exactly where He can use us at this moment in time until He comes back. Our job isn't finished. And so we have to keep going forward in the forward motion. Um, We possess a sinful nature, and the devil will always bring this fighting and division. By the way, God is not the author of confusion. You get confused about something, you better pray and ask God to give you peace. Because the devil is the author of confusion. Confusion. I'm not talking about which color tie you should wear today or which color of your clothes you should wear or which car you should take. But when you're confused about God's word, see, God's word is not empty and useless and void. It is something that we trust and rely on. We go back to God's word. What does God's word say? On the back burner of your mind, what does the Bible say? And when we get away from God's word, we're going to do every man does that which is right in their own eyes. It's a dangerous place to be. Because we can see the hypocrisy of people just trusting in their own selves today. And all I'm saying is that any moment a word can be said out of turn and taken the wrong way, a deed committed and misunderstood by someone, some action may be taken the wrong way and trouble will rear its ugly head. And so I guess you could say that I'm attempting to do a little uh, preventative maintenance today for our church. You see, our churches can be one of two places. It can be a place where the Holy Spirit of God meets with His people. Or it can be a divisive place. A place of, I'm not going to sit in there. They're sitting on my pew. I don't like them. It can be a divisive place. But see, I'm so glad, the song says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. We get together as a family, and yeah, you might be the black sheep of your family, but when we get together, we're all one in Jesus Christ. There's no one better, no one worse. We're all the same. We're all equal in God's eyes. You know why? Because God says, I'm no respecter of person. And He loves us all unconditionally. He loves us with an, with an everlasting love. We don't understand everlasting because we haven't lived that long yet. We only understand the love that we have right now in our lifetime churches shouldn't be a place of war <laughs> you say pastor you're confusing us has there been fighting going on no no just preventative maintenance I let me tell you something I was bringing Kathy to the airport and um, i I've had some problems with my steering recently in my truck and I, I said something's not right but we're going to Boston anyway we're taking my truck she said, OK, so she hopped in. She, by faith, trusted me, and we're going. Well, we got to about Bellingham. I was getting ready to get on the highway. And I says, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable taking this truck. Something's not right. And it was pulling a little bit to the left. And so I pulled over. Justin brought us to the airport the rest of the way. And I says, we need to bring that truck to the, uh, the mechanic and um, see what's going on. Well, when I brought it to the mechanic, he says, your front wheel was about to buckle your front wheel was about to turn, oh, uh, turn on itself and you wouldn't have been able to fix it and the bolts had backed off by themselves. Now, I'm just thinking, the Lord protected me on my way to Boston before we even got on the highway. Do you think the Holy Spirit, the intuitive dwelling of the Holy Spirit didn't guide to prevent something from happening? God knew what he was doing. By the way, the mechanic didn't charge a thing for that. That's about like John's price. And it wasn't John that fixed it, it was somebody else. And I'm thanking the Lord that he protects us on our journey. God knows what's best for us, but we don't listen. What if I had just said, I know what's best. I know my truck. I would probably not be here today, knowing what I know today. And, um, you know, God is so good, we have to pay attention when he leads us. We have to be still and know that He is God. Even in light of the pandemic, in light of enemies of the church and the world, the flesh and the devil up against what God's trying to do. Let me tell you, people are still being saved. People are still being convicted by the Holy Spirit. People are still getting right with God. And we have to be a part of that revival. Because if we're not, we're just going along to get along. We're going along until something better comes along. Let me tell you something. We're part of the solution, not part of the problem. We should be. Let me put it that way. We should be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I want you to know that trouble is always a possibility. It doesn't ever have to happen, though. While it is nothing written in stone that says it must happen, trouble must happen, uh, in fact, it won't unless we, the members, make up the church, that's us, Allow trouble to happen, or allow those things to happen. Paul's preaching here in the book that we're uh, in the book of Acts, and um, there's a lot of things that are going on in this transition in this church uh, that Paul's talking to. He says, "Take heed, pay attention, pay attention." Did you ever have a teacher that said that in school? Pay attention. If you had two cents, you couldn't even pay attention. Sometimes we don't pay attention. We listen, but we're not paying attention. We're not engaged. We're not focused on what the Holy Spirit is leading us to listen to. Our minds are in so many different directions. we got too many cluttered things in our minds. Why? Because there's too many things overwhelming us in this day and age in which we live. What am I going to have for lunch? I made you hungry. What am I going to do tomorrow, this week, for work? What am I going to do? You, You just fill in the blanks of all the things that pervade our minds. And the devil, if he can't keep us from getting saved, that's what his goal is, he will distract us from serving God. And when he does that, guess what? We're ineffective. We're ineffective. I remember working secular jobs, and I still work a few secular jobs here and there, but every job in that field that I worked in was my job. I didn't say well that's not my job. In a union, if you work in a union, some guys will say that's not my job description. That's not my job. I, mean, I can't do that. I can't sweep the floor. It's not my job. I remember sweeping the floor diligently. Downtime, all the signs in the factory said "Downtime's cleanup time. Okay, so I'm sweeping the floor. I had three brooms, brand new brooms broken because I was making the other guys look bad. I'm working. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. The sign says, downtime's cleanup time. I'm cleaning up, even if I swept it again. Because you know why? There was people that were coming through that factory, and they were watching people. They weren't really paying attention. They were just slouching, and they really didn't care. Let me tell you, all jobs fall to us as Christians. Piece of paper on the ground. That's my job. Pick it up. It's not beneath me. Hey, why don't some of you guys pick up the trash around here? By the way, I appreciate those people who have invested a labor of love by cleaning the building for us to be here today. Boy, that, that's a wonderful thing. I don't have to worry about that. There's somebody who says, I think I can do that. I'm a, I, I want to have a labor of love and clean the bathrooms and clean the facilities and make it look beautiful and shiny and smell clean when you get here. That's a wonderful thing. You want to get involved with it? See Brother Justin, he'll put you on the list. And uh, many hands make light work. Amen? Well, yes, it does. It helps. And so, our churches are in peril, some of them are. Uh, Paul's intention for preaching these words is to warn the church at Ephesus. and He wants them to know that trouble can be avoided. Sometimes we think, well, I can't, I'm just going to jump right into trouble. Been into trouble lately? Sometimes, yes. And um, the churches can dwell in unity and blessing if they're willing to listen and pay attention to what he's saying. We find some truths in the Word of God. The value of the church. Is the church valuable? Is it valuable to you? Is it not just something that we do? I mean, we talk about the, for Baptists, it's the 3S. Fun, Food, and Fellowship. But I think it's deeper than that. We haven't had a fellowship in over a year. I miss them. But we want things to get back to somewhat normalcy. We want to start inviting people back and we want to start encouraging people to go soul winning and knocking on people's doors. We want to see visitors come in and not be afraid because we're gathering together. And let me tell you something. It doesn't stop people on an airplane. They're packed in like sardines on these tin cans. It doesn't stop people from shopping at Walmart. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You've been to Aldi's. You've been to all these places where you can barely move. But, oh no, go to church. I'm sorry. Oh, you might get sick there. No, we're sin sick. We need a healing from Jesus Christ. When you need something, you need bread, you go to the store, you get the bread. You get your toilet paper. You get whatever you need. Oh no, we can't go to church. Too many things on our plate. Too many things clutter our life that we don't have time to spend in the dwelling of Jesus Christ, in the presence of Him. So, from the inception of the value of the church, according to the verse, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 talks about uh, the church was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The church. It's an awful price that Jesus had to pay for the church, isn't it? I mean, he, he loved us. He gave Himself for us. He was crucified and spilled His blood so that the church could be bought from the slavery of sin and redeemed or counted for redemption back to God. And so, the book of Acts, again, is the book in transition, or the church in transition. And, um, you know, Jesus laid down his life so the church could be born. The birth of the church. The exciting times of the church. The transition of what God's doing. So, what impact has the church made, not just in Paul's life, but all the way down to where we live today? the church, the pillar and ground of the truth, the place where we get plugged in, the place where we absorb. Sometimes we think that God's will is osmosis. If I just sit there and I have my fingers crossed, things are just going to appear in my mind. It doesn't work that way. It takes work to have a good home. It takes work to have a good job or a good reputation. It takes work to have a good church. Did you know that? Good churches just don't happen. Remember the seven churches in the book of Revelation? They all had reputation. Some of them forgot their first love. They were doing things right, but they were just doing it out of just rigmarole. They did it because they had to. And some of them, they weren't doing anything really bad, but they weren't really excited about the things of God. They were neither hot nor cold. He says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. It's just... It's lukewarmness. And so this idea of Jesus' blood hasn't lost any power today. The idea is He's still saving those that call upon Him or come to Him what we say by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. All those that receive Him, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boy, that's a good no-so salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, 9 and 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. He thought it was so important, he put it twice in that same chapter. Whosoever shall call, that's us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means something to the Christian. So, since the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room, and the church has been used to change individuals, Changed your family, I think. And most of you, if not all of you, had changed for the better. Changed for the good. It didn't hurt you to get saved. But there's an opposition to salvation. There's an opposition to trusting Jesus. There's an opposition to going to church. There's an opposition because men are hypocrites. And your pastor might be a hypocrite. And let me tell you something. I've met a lot of hypocrites in my life. Some of them Doctors. Some of them lawyers, well, most of them lawyers, no, no, no. Some of them, they're just hypocrites, liars. And what we have to understand is that we don't intentionally, as a Christian, we don't intentionally want to be a hypocrite. We don't want to just say what I do, what I say, and not listen to what I'm doing and watch, you know, don't look behind the curtain. Let me tell you something God knows what He's doing. And we have to trust. We have to learn to trust. That's a, a learned procedure, a learned habit. Remember, someone told you you had to go to church, or n- nobody told you you had to go to church, but we have the opportunity to go to church on a Wednesday night. And all of a sudden, family members are saying, You go to church how, how many times a week? You go to church, boy, you must be really spiritual. No, we just need encouragement including myself in that. You know, uh, true church has always stood for righteousness or the rightness of God. And if we compromise, we see too much compromising today, Uh, whether it's in politics or whether it's in religion, just to get a crowd. Let me tell you something. We're not in the entertainment business, although you might be entertained sometimes. We're in the preaching the gospel business. We're encouraging People who are sinners saved by grace to serve God with gladness. You know what the devil does? He's in the discouraging business. We come in defeated, discouraged. And then you hear your pastor preach, and you're more discouraged. No, maybe not. Hopefully not. No, we get our marching orders from God. Stand fast. That's up there for me as well as for you. It's encouraging to know that God's still on his throne and he wants what's best for Blackstone Valley Baptist Church. But sometimes there might be something. I can remember uh, at least on one hand, five different times that grievous wolves were coming into the church to try to disrupt the church. To try under my leadership, under this this month, I think is 19 years, I've been the pastor of this church. It's scary to see what God allows to come in, to see your strength and trust in Him. One guy was, he he threw some things down, and I thought, where's this coming from? We're doing what God wants us to. We're preaching the word of God. And this guy is trying to overtake the church. One guy told my dad, I remember years ago, he says. God told me, remember what I said in Sunday school, God told me that I'm going to be the next pastor of Blackstone Valley Baptist Church. My dad looked at him and said, God hadn't told me that yet. He didn't stay long. You know, God knows what he's doing. And we have to look at the impact for what we do when we stand for righteousness, living in godliness, holy living. Uh, The church has always been an instrument for change for the world because of the church people's lives people's families and even communities have been changed and even strengthened I encourage you get involved with your local government you wanna see change don't talk about change get involved with the change and when they start to push things that are not right according to scripture and not according to your conscience or according to anything else but if it goes against God it's not right I can tell you with an affirmation that abortion is murder. We need to stand fast on what we know the Word of God to say. But you know what? Voices like this, it's like one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist, he's one... uh, he, He was a strange Baptist preacher eating locusts and wild honey. That's kind of a strange, hairy thing that he was doing. He was a hairy guy. He wore strange clothes yeah much like us we wear strange clothes i couldn't wear a purple tie pastor that's okay you don't have to i was looking for this for two weeks and with one eye it's hard you know when we don't stand for righteousness we're willing to fall for anything well, what's wrong with a little compromise? We talk about it with the music. With Dan, uh, we, we, he prays about the music, and he trusts the Lord with what we're singing. And Some things he says, we can't sing some of this stuff. Some of the stuff that claims to be Christian is garbage. We don't know if it's talking about a lover or Jesus. And it doesn't even mention him. And by the way, some of the artists that are out there, they're out for... Money's sake. Filthy lucre, greedy of filthy lucre. It's not money that money is not bad in and of itself. It greases the wheels of progress, keeps lights on, keeps things going in the right direction. It's the love of money. Oh, if I just hit the lottery. Oh, if I just had a million dollars. This teenager just hit three hundred and twenty-something thousand dollars. First scratch ticket she ever had. She was old enough. Oh, I wish I had that. Uh, why? Most people that win the lottery have more problems after they have that money in hand. They've got more relatives than they knew they had. If I know my Bible, it says, be content with such things as you have. Don't covet what other people have. Yet yeah, that's where we are. Oh, I wish I had a better car. Oh, I wish I had a, you fill in the blank, better house, newer appliances, newer things. Yeah, why? You're going to leave it to the unsaved anyway. They're going to get all these brand new appliances. Uh, they can have Buster. Buster's not saved, I can tell you. His heart is as black as his coat. But the church, what makes the church so important today? It's the only organism, and it's this living organism. (laughs) uh, It's the only organism in existence that God designed, called, and blessed to be the vehicle to get the gospel to the world. That's it. He didn't use anything else. If we refuse to praise the Lord, what did he say? The rocks will cry out. I'm not going to talk about my pet rock anymore. It's old news. I've never heard a rock cry. No rocks have ever cried out. The Bible talks about the trees of the field, they clap their hands. That's an amazing thing. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yet in every facet, even in churches, they're denying God. They're relying and resting on self. They're relying and resting on their laurels and to whatever. Get them in a higher acclamation to where God wants them to be. No, 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 no. Our job's not finished yet. He's not, he's not finished with us yet. We're still here. <laughs> I think the church is essential essential for our lost world. Many Christians live as though the church were, well, it's unimportant. Haphazard attendance by those who claim to love Jesus, it seems to be giving God a black eye. And those who are saved don't demonstrate the importance of being faithful to the house of God. Now I know we're living in a pandemic, but look how many people are here today. Rules are changing. We can have more people now. Might be taking off the the ropes on the pews now. It's amazing. These restaurants are starting to pack people in. Now those viruses know when you sit down at the table, you can take your mask off and that virus knows. That virus knows that the bars, if they stay open until 4 o'clock in the morning, that virus knows. Let me tell you something. Don't be afraid to come to church. You might catch something. Yeah, salvation. You might catch something, Uh, good works, provoke one another to good works. The problem is we provoke one another, period. That's the bottom line. We provoke one another. See this shirt that says, don't poke the bear? That's what we do, we poke. We're trying to poke each other. No, 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 no. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do as the church. Warning people, telling people Jesus is coming back. There are numerous parachurch ministries out there today. Now, by the way, I'm not against parachurch organizations. Now, what's that? It's not a church, but it's it's a good program that may be affiliated with church-type things. Um, we do that Christmas box, the shoebox thing uh, for kids that's not the church. Your tithes don't go to parachurch church organizations. I had a guy tell me that one time years ago. He says, well, I'm tithing to this orphanage. I said, well, according to the Bible, your tithe goes to the storehouse, the church. Don't be tithing to something else. You're diminishing the church when you give your tithes to something else other than the church. Well, I never thought about it like that. No, well, most people don't. There are a number of parachurch ministries out there, and any group that doesn't operate under the umbrella of the local church, any group, regardless of their influence and their, or their outreach, uh, does not promote the local church, is not operating for the Lord. I remember I used to have to, they forced me to give to, I'm going to throw it out, United Way. How much you give to United Way. I says, I already give to my local uh, charity, church. Yeah, but you have to give. We want hundred percent participation. All right, I'll give them a dollar. I gave them a little bit, but I didn't feel comfortable. If you look at the statistics, they're mishandling the money at the top re- levels. Why do I want to give something that is, and that's another story, but you get the picture? I invest where I have an investment. I invest where I tithe because this is where God wants me to tithe. I get involved because this is where God wants me to get involved. I became pastor and someone said, uh, before I was even voted in, someone said this, a member of this church said this, well, if the people want him, uh, I thank you that you do. I remember 19 years ago I became pastor, 30 people walked away. Be still my heart. Am I that bad of a guy? But you know what? God replaced those 30. Over these years, God has been building this church. Not just numerically, but physically, He's been building you and building up this church for a purpose. To tell lost boys and girls, men and women, family members, that they need Jesus Christ. So it is important And uh, when we look and see the importance of being faithful to the house of God, I mean, it's an expected thing. You know, if I were lost, I'd be more impressed by an empty parking lot on Wednesday night than I would be on a full one on Sunday morning. So it's easy to see that Baptists show up for those three F's. Now, I said it my way. This is the way they have it written, funerals, feasts, and fights. Funerals, feasts, and fights. That's what we're showing up for. (laughs) One guy was asked why he didn't go to church more often than he did. He replied that every time he went, they threw something at him. Sounds about right. When he was a baby, they threw water. When he got married, they threw rice. The other fellow replied, yes, and if you don't get there pretty soon, they'll be throwing dirt on you soon. You know, lackluster performance by half-hearted or... Christians that are not engaged. We place less value on the church than we do on worldly pursuits. Many see no need to arrive on time. Let me see. If you arrive on time, you're late. Always, I've always showed up. Now, you don't have to show up when I do. I'm here early. How early? Sometimes four, five in the morning. Uh, just, I, I want to be prepared. I want my heart focused. I want to be right with the Lord. I want everything in place. and. Uh, I, want, I want everything to go according to God's plan. But sometimes we just don't have, oh man, we we got to show up just at the nick of time. How's your boss like that when you show up in the nick of time? Mm. Now we're not clock watchers. Well, yeah, we are. I'm watching my clock. When we think that we, this is just another social event that we're doing. Let me tell you something. Lost world's watching us. Your friends and relatives are watching you. And when it's not important any longer to come to church, and they'll say, well, you've just joined the crowd. Instead of fighting upstream like we're supposed to be where we're supposed to be, this is, this is your pew. That's your seat. That's, your, that's where you're supposed to be. And I say, where's so-and-so? They're not here. Maybe they're going to show up late. They work late or whatever. No, they didn't show up. Oh, they tuned in online. I don't know. Not the same. I mean, we can tune in online all day long. Thank you for those of you who are watching. But it's not the same when we fellowship with one another, is it? Because sometimes you might miss, like a missionary came through on Wednesday night. We were a blessing to him. We gave him a little love offering. He didn't even do anything but give his testimony. Rock of Ages ministry. He's just starting out. You missed it if you weren't here. Oh, sorry. May I remind us that the few hours that we spend, and sometimes it is just a few, sometimes just a few minutes that we spend in the Lord's house are the most important thing you'll do all week. Look in verse 29 again. The Bible talks about the violence that was against the church in verse number 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves... Enter in among you and uh, uh, not sparing the flock, or have no mercy for the flock. Did you know there are enemies all around us? Now, the analogy is fitting when you talk about wolves. Uh, wolves are pack animals, they work in groups. And so they rarely, very rarely, work alone. Um, and they think it's safer and can do far more damage when they operate in numbers. And they typically operate in the dark. Oh, wait a minute. The Bible talks about people that operate in the dark because their deeds are evil. Did you hear that? So, that's why wolves in the church will kick against old-fashioned Bible preaching. (laughs) They don't like it. They say, Pastor, can't you just get along with the times? Can't we just change some of the let's get strobes up here? I know Danny's we've talked about strobes. Smoke show. <laughs> the fog. Let's get laser lights. Yeah. I had people say this. Well, if you bring drums to the church, I'm leaving. Okay. Doesn't make you spiritual or less spiritual it has to do with the heart and we're not bringing drums in don't even we're not going in. I know I know (laughs) but let me tell you something we can find a lot to be offended over we find a lot to be offended no music today no piano today great flutist great guitar great special thank you Sue. it was great Well, why don't you use your talents for the Lord? If you can sing, carry a tune in a bucket, you can come up here and sing a special. Oh, I'd be too afraid. Yeah, there might be two or three other afraid people who would be there to back you up. Doo wop. Hey, this isn't for entertainment, it's for our benefit. The church, the pillar and ground of the truth, the word of God is lifted up. Jesus is promoted and we want to see people saved. It's not God bless our four no more. And if we don't think it's important, guess what? The world doesn't think it's important. They didn't think it was important when Paul was here. He says if grievous wolves are going to come in, it's because of our lack of attention to the local church. Oh, there's something else about wolves. You may know this, you may not. You know, they don't attack... Not that I'm... <laughs> thank you, Stevie. Give giving my sound effects back there. Wolves don't attack those that are the strongest of the herd. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentaries. The wolves, as they're chasing after the bison, they're not going after the leader that has the horns. They're going after the little one that can't run very fast. They're going after the sick one that can't defend itself. Same thing in the church. Wolves don't go after the ones who are uh, prayed up and strong in the Lord and the ones who are are scripture has permeated their their life. goes after the weak ones. The ones who don't know any better. The wolves typically go after those who can't easily defend themselves against attack. So, If you were the devil, now I don't want to make that assumption for anybody, but who would you attack? Someone who's faithful to church, prayed up, studied up on a steady diet of the Word of God, and filled with the Spirit? Or would you go after the one who's spiritually weak, doesn't pray like they should, misses church more often than they attend, and doesn't read the Bible like they should? Well, you'd pick the weak one, wouldn't you? Wait, well, just a minute though. Even though they may, that one may be weak, they still represent a foothold in the congregation. See, the Bible talks about bear the infirmities of the weak. Ye which are what? Spiritual, restore such a one. That's what our goal is. We're praying for one another, bearing one another's burdens, trying to lift up the church. See, I'm a committee of one. I'm determined to do what God wants me to do and lead, and fight the devil tooth and toenail until Jesus comes back. Or I leave this present world, whichever comes first. I can't just go along to get along. And as our church, I I don't ever want to see our church property laid waste because there was a lack of concern, a lack of importance. Now, I'm not talking about Taking care of the property and plowing and sweeping and taking care of this property. But I've seen churches that have folded because there was a lack of interest. You go up north and you can see all these churches that have beautiful steeples. The white churches in Maine, they're antique shops now, they're apartment buildings now. No more gospel witness there. I've seen them in Vermont. I've seen them. All around this place. Even in uh, Woonsocket, they're no longer churches. They're just beautiful places with stained glass windows. And that'd be nice to have stained glass windows. Let me tell you something. Where Jesus is promoted, God will build his church. That's what he told Peter. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I think Peter had a fatalistic attitude. And he said the wrong things at the wrong time all the time. Wait a minute. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. See, we've got to get closer to the Lord than we've ever been. I think persecution is coming. Uh, we're not going to be the first to face it. But we better be on our knees and ready to pray and, uh, on a drop of a hat. We better be ready to do what God's called us to do. If we were to lose it all tomorrow, would it make a difference today? If we knew that. If we lost everything. I mean, material possessions. We lost our church property. We lost all of everything that we own because we're Christians. Remember, I've been saying for a few years now, when persecution comes, we're going to see the real Christians rise. We're going to see what's going to happen. We're seeing so much hypocrisy. We're seeing so much idolism. People are worshiping idols. What do we do? There's nothing we can do. Wait a minute, are you praying? Are you trying to be all that God wants you to be where he's planted you? Because if we're not doing everything in our power that God wants us to do by his power, not our own, then we're just wasting time. We're just going through the motions like the rest of the religiosity world. Paul said, listen, the grievous wolves are coming. And they're going after the young ones. I had someone recently call and say, what programs do you have for our kids? We, they want a babysitting pro- program. Uh, we have Josh and Kayla back there babysitting for us. Doing a great job in junior church. We, I can't wait to get back to our Sunday school where we have classes for all the kids again. And all of us, we need it. We're on this road trip to truth on Sunday mornings. Having a great time. But let me tell you, there's a lost world that needs to hear about Jesus. Your family needs to hear about Jesus. When's the last time you cried and prayed for your family? They don't need to know it. They don't need to know that you've been fasting and you have this look on your face. And what's the matter with you? I'm fasting for you. I'm praying for you. I think they need to know that we're praying for them. When's the last time you had a concern for the lost? Because some of you were lost at one time and someone shared the gospel with you. And guess what? You ended up planted in a church that preaches the truth. You know, the devil in 2 Corinthians 2 speaks, he's trying to gain an advantage. Alvin's not here today, but he used to wrestle and he tried to gain the advantage. In fact, when I mentioned wrestling last time and I don't want to wrestle him, he told me, in a text that day, he didn't want to wrestle me either. Wrestlers try to get the advantage. Don't know if you've ever watched, not just sumo wrestling, I'm not talking about that, that's a bad vision, but when you think about wrestling, they're trying to gain the advantage over the opponent. Did you know that's what the devil's trying to do? Undermine your foothold? Trying to get, no. If you're firmly planted, that's what the Bible says. What does Psalm 1 say? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a weed? Oh no, a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. See, it's important to know where you stand. Because every wind of doctrine that comes down the pike, you'll believe it. Let me tell you, we need to know what we believe and believe what we know. We need to love the word, love the church, love the body. He placed us in. I'm not very important. Don't have the low self-esteem. Some of you make selfies and you think you're all this and the whole world. Look at me. Look at me. No, look at him. Look at him. It's not about you. Never has been about you. Never will be about you. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. (gasps) Jeez, jeez, from this. Oh, I know you have to stand a certain way because you don't want everybody to see you. The real you. Let me tell you, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus. We have to learn to lift him up in our life. Let my light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. You get the idea? Just preventative maintenance. Changing the oil once in a while. Making sure the wheels don't fall off your car. That's a dangerous place to be. I wiped the sweat from my brow when he told me that. A little, little further down the road and you, your wheel would have come off. Or would have flopped. That would have been a lot more damage to my truck. God knows what he's doing. The devil's trying to derail the train. He's trying to disrupt God's unity. He's trying to discourage us. God's I go back to Joshua. I go back to Deuteronomy. I go back, be strong in the Lord. Oh Lord, it's getting I'm getting weary and well doing. No. Be not weary and well doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. That's where we need to be. Resting, trusting, believing, hoping. See our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in what he said in his word. Our hope is forever. And Jesus is our hope. Let's stand with our heads bowed today. (sighs) I said half of what I wanted to say. We'll have to save the other half for another time. But the idea is I want you to be encouraged. God placed you here for a reason. You're not bumps on pews. Just taking up space and time. You're growing up in the Lord. We have a heritage. We've got a wonderful place uh, prepared for us in heaven. It should make a difference in how we live now. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Blackstone Valley Baptist Church. Lord, as long as it's here, as long as we're the church, Lord, help us to have a burden for the lost. Help us to pray for the needy. And Lord, to lift up the backslidden. Lord, watch over us. Use us for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. As the music plays...